You're listening to Robert Wright's Non-Zero Podcast. Hi, Mickey. Hey, Bob. How you doing? Uh, I'm fine, feeling exceptionally boomerish, but um, well, you, you know mean, that happens. Is that a euphemism for old? Well, it means it means I have a bad hair day, so I'm wearing a baseball hat, as we boomers do. What does the hat say on it? It says La Posada, which is a fancy restaurant in Winslow, Arizona. Oh, so you you drive a thousand miles, you wind up in Winslow, Arizona, and they say, "Wait, we're going to serve you." I don't know if you're up to it. Uh, this is, is very the, is that the very restaurant. is that at the very corner in Winslow, Arizona, where the guy is standing on a corner? No, it's, it's right by the train. No, it's it's an old hotel by the train station. It's a okay. great restaurant. They just they're just a little full of themselves. Aren't we all? So, Mickey, are uh, you ready for the news quiz? This week's news. I'm quiz? ready. Yeah, I. Okay. Don't ask me if Prigozhin is dead. I, I'm not qualified. I would never. I would one. never get into that subject. I'm going to start with this instead. Okay. Name a well-traveled chef who had a mishap while traveling. <laughs> now, uh. both chef. <laughs> just to give you more of a clue, in case you know, both chef and mishap are in quotes. Okay. Um, uh, well, I think I guessed it. It's not Chef Andres. No. Uh, uh, so you, you're going with Prigozhin? Yeah. Correct. Correct. Now, they get harder. What adage that employs a culinary metaphor is being invoked by some observers to explain why he didn't have this mishap earlier? An ah, adage, God. you know, we're going with the chef theme here. So it's an adage yeah. involving a culinary metaphor that might explain why he didn't have his mishap earlier. It's not too many cooks. It's not. Uh, well, you could say he, there was one cook he, too many in the regime, and then they got, <laughs> but that's not what I had in he, mind. Um, no. He, uh, he, he, uh, you know, he went off half baked. I, I would uh, say he went off more like half cocked, uh, but that's a good point. He did, he did, and, and uh, uh, but but he never. But we're not. But we're he not never. The correct uh, answer yet. No, he served no wine before his time. That's why he he wasn't offed earlier. You got the right verb. You Off, got the right uh, verb. Served. You got the right verb. Uh, closing uh, in on it. I can feel you closing in on it. Uh. Served. Uh, that's that's he, good that you can even come up with three culinary. He served. Meals. He served a dish that wasn't uh, oh my ready God. for prime time. You're so time. close. You're so close. Oh, never. Uh, uh, <laughs> Sorry, revenge is, Sorry. Revenge is a dish Sorry. best served cold. Sorry, time was up. We were looking for revenge is a dish best served cold, but we were looking for it within the allotted time limit. And I'm sorry, Mickey, <laughs> you didn't make it. But that's look good. who thinks he's. Look who thinks he's Brett Bear. Uh, I was thinking more of uh, Alex Trebek, actually. Um, the uh, so a couple of things. There's more questions on the list, but first, quickly, uh, in terms of takes going around, I think most observers seem to be saying this makes the regime stronger. 
sent a pretty clear message to aspiring palace coup sponsors that they should rethink. Um, and not just kind of just kind of reminded people who, uh, who's in charge. Uh, not according to who. There have been other takes, but Anne Applebaum, your friend Anne Applebaum. Well, of course, she wants us to think that the regime is on the verge of collapsing, which she well, thinks she, would be a good yeah, thing for some reason. Her her comment was actually pretty good. It was I mean, it, 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 she obviously wishes this were true, but she says Prigozhin had a lot of high-level supporters in Putin's government, and are they going to wait for Putin to come for them next, or are they going to take action decisively to strike at the core of their enemy? That's the um, question. To protect themselves, and so so she thinks there's going to be. She, oh, wait. she was. Pro oh wait, they're going to stage a preemptive. Oh oh, she means close allies of of Prigozhin. I know she implies there are a lot of rich people in the I'm, in the Russian elite who are supporters of Prigozhin. Putin knows who they are, so they can't take any plane trips because the chances are they're going to yeah, but gonna, I, they're going to fall I mean, out of the sky or fall off a balcony. So are they going to wait to fall off a balcony, or are they going to? seize their own fate and strike now. I I, I think that's, uh, uh, that doesn't make sense to me. First of all, the, I mean, the guys, the people who should be worried in theory are people who were with Prigozhin in this enterprise. Okay. But a few of those are now dead because they were in the plane. And uh, the most important of the other ones, I mean, arguably, uh, the General Suravokin, Suravikin, who, apparently is thought by the Kremlin to have been kind of going along with this until he wasn't and taped the video opposing it, uh, perhaps under duress. Um, he has been relieved of command. Uh, so he's been kind of uh, punished. And I don't know if he's going to have to leave the military. So I, I, is, is I that he, the, yeah, he's the guy who designed the defenses that are now working. Yeah. In fact, if the quiz had continued, you, you've anticipated almost all my questions. There's only one you haven't upstaged, but one was going to be what former ally of, of uh, Prigozhin suffered a career setback, sort of beacon. Uh, and then how is that ally's legacy being tested by the Ukrainian army? You're right. The Suravikin line, so-called Suravikin line, um, the, the even as we speak, uh, the Ukrainian army is making an attempt to, I think, breach the first thing they they will have breached, if they do it, that can be called one of the main defensive lines, is my understanding. It's a little bit, it's in between, it's to the east of uh, Rabotna and uh, in between that and some villas starting with the V, a little bit to the south. And they're pouring a lot into it. This is like a big, this is a pretty big moment. I mean. Are they, are you, are they using our, our joint strike tactics? There's a big argument apparently between our military and their military we're saying they should go back to the nato taxes that they didn't learn very well and didn't work very well uh which is uh, uh use of multiple arms at the same time there's a word for it but i keep forgetting what it is combined uh, arms warfare combined uh, yeah and uh, or are they going their own way and using their own tactics it's a little unclear um i mean there was this spate of stories where American officials were anonymously complaining that the Ukrainians had screwed up by not, well, two things, well, three things, actually. Uh, but two of them were, you know, not concentrating their forces more on this one, uh, on the, the axis they are focused on now. Uh, uh, and the other was actually using combined arms warfare. Um, 
They are bringing a lot of armor in now, and that would be one sign of combined arms warfare, but I really don't know. And the truth is the line is blurry between these, you know, these approaches. That, right. Uh, so, and they don't have one of the key elements that's that's often deployed, which is, you know, really significant air power. So, um, I, I don't know, but, you know, the the we'll see. I, apparently, they really, really, really want to say they breached uh, a, a significant defensive line. I would say that even if they do this, they've got, uh, depending on what route they take, as I read the maps, either two or three you know, at least equally formidable lines of defense before they get to Takmak, I think is the name of the city. And that is is at best halfway to what originally was the goal, Melitopol. Uh, and and they had certainly, they, they've now thrown at least part of all of the brigades prepared for this into the fight. It was 12 or 13 brigades. Um and certainly they had planned to be much further along. So, but, you know, it would be something. Um, isn't Takmak the popular NPR correspondent who was fired? No, that's I Tim Mock. I didn't know about that, actually. Uh, the, he, was uh, just fired for he was just fired for budgetary reasons, but he's the guy who posts every day, Kiev is still in Ukrainian hands. Which, well, he's right. He's um he, he was good. He was good. They shouldn't have let him go. So quickly on this he's still, before we, he's still posting. Go ahead. Before we move on to your next quiz question, which will be the final one. Um I just want to say the uh I the I think the the cons most observers are saying this makes the regime stronger, more secure. I yesterday spoke to a really, really astute and well-known observer of all this. And that's his view. Um, and, you know, in re I would say, I mean, remember when this first, when the Prigozhin thing first happened, uh, you know, Michael McFall said, see, Putin's a paper tiger. You say if you corner him, he'll fight back. But no, don't worry about it. Um, he, he folded. He was bluffing. He capitulated. As I pointed out at the time, capitulated was just technically wrong since he didn't meet Prigozhin's demands. I thought, given the challenge he faced, 5,000 troops considered war heroes by many Russians uh, marching on Moscow, he'd, he'd handle it not that badly. But in any event, now in retrospect, I think you have to say that uh, the McFall the uh, take holds up even even less well. I mean, he he right. he uh, <laughs> do not do not corner Putin. I mean. Try convincing like the ghost of Prigozhin that it's not a mistake to corner Putin. But why isn't it uh, like uh, Iraq, where we, uh, you know, we demobilized the Saddam army and then we had all these ex-Saddamists running around uh, fighters on the loose? He now has all the Wagner forces decapitated with their, you know, without, without their heads of their of their of their force running around. What are they going to do? They're going to make trouble. Uh, and Applebaum already quoted a tweet saying this just shows you have to go all the way to the end i.e. they should have gone all the way to Moscow. They shouldn't I, have stopped. So, uh, you know, in, in, I don't know what country <laughs> they're in. I don't know how many well. of them there are, but they are the backbone of the army that, uh, you know, helped Russia do whatever success it's had in the battlefield, and they're now pissed off and angry. 
Is she really saying Prigozhin should have gone all the way to Moscow? First of all, he wasn't there. No, he was, he quoting, was back in, he's, you know. <laughs> he's, uh, quoting, he's quoting a post-Prigozhin death uh, uh, message from some of his backers uh, who were pissed off saying, this just shows we should have gone all the way. Oh, uh, well, uh, good luck. You'd be dead now. Uh, I mean, there was there were no signs of actual support for the thing materializing. And that's what Prigozhin perceived. And that's why he backed down. But um, the uh, I do think I will say that the fact that you, you, you know, it's the way Putin did this. I mean, well, two things. I, I, I think one one reason that this dish of revenge was best served cold from his point of view is one thing they've done in the meanwhile is nailed down a lot of this Wagner stuff. It, it wasn't a simple matter for the government to establish control over all of Wagner's operations. And I don't know if they've done that, but they're probably a lot closer to that than they would be. Um, you know, operations in Africa and so on. And making sure that uh, any uh, rambunctious Wagner remnants aren't a threat. I imagine they've done some of that. And that was also... Have, ex yeah. Go ahead. No, go ahead. I was just going to say that may explain why they did this. I mean, it seems to me there's some cost to Putin of doing it this way. Like, uh, he clearly, and this hasn't typically been the case. I mean, two things. Typically, with people he's thought to have taken out in Russia and elsewhere, it, it hasn't been 100% sure that he did it. And there have been doubts even among reasonable, you know, serious observers. Right. Uh, this time, it seems like there's almost no other explanation. Um, and also, they, they've been pretty tightly focused in that he just hit the target, right? And this time, everyone I, there must be a lot of Russians who, who recognize that he did this. And look, he killed a stewardess. He, he killed a number of innocent, you know, several innocent bystanders. So the whole thing is, in a way, cruder. And in a way, he pays a certain kind of price with some people, I would think, for having uh, done it in this way. But uh, I guess the imperative to show uh, elite, uh, you know, aspiring uh, coup plotters at the elite level whose boss right. was important. And well, also, as for why he did it with rather than just like try to out, you know, more subtly kill just Prigozhin, um, I guess he wanted to get rid of these other guys. Uh, it, it included the. Right. I think it was like it was a know. critical mass of Wagner uh, leaders and sort of was too good to resist. Also, it was exceptionally brutal, which has a demonstration effect. I mean, they have the video of the plane spiraling down to the ground. I mean, it's just humiliating for Provoza. Yeah. And uh, it's like the Twin Towers falling. The, I don't the, think uh, I don't the, think humiliation is his main problem right now. But anyway, <laughs> I suppose I suppose well, it was briefly humiliating. In terms, of, in terms of the message yeah. that it sends, it's like not only will you die, but you're being your your society were so yeah. strong. Here is your plane mm. spiraling into the ground. You'll, you'll have these five seconds of knowing that I just that I'm killing you. Um, no, it's it has nothing to do with what Prigozhin was thinking at the time. Okay. It has to do with no, what no, people but are I, thinking I, when they see the video. I do wonder about that though. It's like when that hits, the plane didn't go up in flames, but it's disabled, and 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 I, I you wonder if they looked around and go, "Well, he got us." You know, I, I you, it's just weird if they if they were you know still alive for a few seconds or what. I don't know how these things work. Um, uh, well, there's the, you don't buy any of the second Prigozhin theories. Oh, that there, he's really out there and this was all staged. That, I had, a, that I had he has a, multiple, multiple, multiple people with the name, 
Prigozhin that he sends around, and the question is, did they get the right Prigozhin? Oh, I see. Uh, I I I had I I taped a podcast with Nikita, our friend Nikita, yesterday. Uh, actually, it's post in a couple of days. It's available to uh, paid non-zero newsletter subscribers now. But he said that there is this conspiracy theory in Russia, which is fertile ground for conspiracy th- theories generally. That it was all um, that it was all in some sense staged in Prigozhin's out there. Uh, I mean, I don't know if the theory is the the shoot down was staged or that uh, that that Prigozhin, you know, kind of suckered Putin into doing it by sending a double. I don't know. But it all seems to me. Uh, I, no, I don't buy that stuff. Yeah, I don't even care. Um, so enough of the Bob topics. I'm going for an alpha moment, Bob. Okay, but 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 the final, well, two things. We have to say that this is going to be shorter than usual. This in the parrot room today, right? Because, uh, well, I blame my wife. It's her birthday. That's that's why this is. Um, next week, uh, we are we are taking Labor Day off, so there's nothing next week. But finally, but and then also your final quiz question. Uh, what? What this is pretty complicated. What Clausewitz adage is being illustrated by critiques of both uh, Ukrainian and Russian strategy? It's too complicated for you to get, but but there is the most famous Clausewitz adage. Isn't the most famous one never interfere with your enemy when he's in the process of destroying himself? Did Clausewitz say that? I don't know. I was a genius. I was thinking. I was thinking war is (laughs) politics by other means. Oh, okay. The, two of the critiques going around. One is 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 still going around, uh, including from anonymous U.S. officials that that uh, Ukraine has wasted some of its most experienced troops in Bakhmut and continues to do so. But the, the critique of the Russian army that should give Ukraine maybe a little hope. Uh, I, and I was going to say, if you ask why would Ukraine have done that, the argument would be that it was ultimately for political reasons. The politicians uh, wanted to do it. Um, and I've heard, by the way, as recently as a week ago, there was a big argument uh, between the politicians in Kiev and the military strategists about whether to do what they're doing, which the, uh, in this account, the politicians wanted the military strategists were saying, look, let's go into defensive mode, you know, uh, and that the politicians wanted to keep going. Well, they've kept going um, on the Russian side. The cause for Ukrainian hope, maybe a little. Is that. Michael Kaufman was saying that uh, the Russians have much more than was anticipated been willing to lose men in fighting Ukraine in the so-called crumple zone, right? The the idea of this echelon defense is, okay, ultimately Ukraine's going to get to the first line of defense. You spend a little manpower trying to make them take losses doing it, but you don't you don't turn every village into a battle until the end. And Russia has done a little more of that. And some people hope that means Russia is a little more spent than you might think, and and they're ripe for some kind of dramatic uh, breakthrough. Anyway, I would think if that's happening, uh, that could also be a politically motivated uh, strategy. Okay, now I'm done. Um, and I, I presumably you're going to turn. Uh, do I get to guess where you're going to turn I, the topic? My, to? my alpha, my alpha moment failed. Obviously, <laughs> this is why you're I'm dealing not an with. Alpha. Yeah, yeah. No, you just, you I, just. I, I, you just rolled over. Yeah. I just raised my voice, and you and you just rolled. No, over. no, I know, I know, I know. It's the story of my life. Yeah. Um. Uh. Anyway, you're not supposed to say yep. 
Okay. <laughs> You're I'm, supposed to say, oh, no, Mickey. No, Mickey, it was a tough fight, but in the end, the better man won. How's that? There you go. Something like that. Um, well, there was this debate. Uh, it, it, there were a number of interesting takeaways from the debate. Uh, the uh, DeSantis, the, I thought DeSantis did badly at first, and he had two or three good moments. He was obviously coached uh, to, to go for the alpha moment. So at one point, he ceases the topic of global warming from Brett Bear and says, you know, we, uh, you know, the, these these hand raising exercises are silly. Uh, uh, he, he had two or three with that. And then he went back to being a little stiff, and uh, so he, he did well. The, the answer, he did he did well enough to win the debate in some polls, but not well enough to establish his dominance over the field in a way that would challenge Trump. Uh, you know, one on one. You know, if it you know, vault him out of that tier and into a, oh, it's Trump and DeSantis in the field. No, it's Trump and a field with DeSantis in charge. But it's good enough for now. It's a long race. He did well enough. He, he's still a little stiff. Uh, in fast forward, he didn't seem to, which is how I watched the debate, he didn't seem to bobble his head that much. Uh, Chris Christie did terribly. It was did like, he? you know, he has, he, he was incredibly disappointing. He was sort of off key and ugly. I mean, you have to look at him. Uh, well, some Mickey, of the lighting. There's some things there, that none the of the lighting. Can help. No, but you can make Chris, you can make Chris Christie look better, or you can make him look like a little rumpled fat guy. And they made him look like a little rumpled fat guy. And uh, but well, he had a good Chris fault. Hitchens thing. He had a good yeah. Chris Hitchens thing going, where the audience hated him, and they reacted back against it. You know, so I mean, Chris Hitchens used to say conservative things, and the audience would would boo him, and he'd go "fuck you." Okay, Chris Christie was like a moment away from going "fuck you" to all the Trumpists in the audience. Um, Nikki Haley and uh, and Vivek Ramaswamy uh, had an interesting debate over Ukraine, where you know Nikki Haley said, uh, "You know, you are not experienced enough. You're a rookie. I know that Ukraine is important, and we have to fight." And Mike Pence also had that fight, and the, the "you're a rookie" uh, complaint never wins. It's a ridiculous complaint to make. And and Ukraine, so Ramaswamy did very well by staking out his very clear anti-Ukraine position, uh, whereas DeSantis has sort of the same position but fudges a little bit. Um, uh, so that was a big good moment for Ramaswamy. You didn't see that? Uh, no, and there's a reason. That's because I didn't watch the debate. I was counting on you to save me that time. And uh, plus, I would have. Uh, well, actually, we had. Uh, it was it was the one night uh, per year or so when we actually had guests. Uh, um, the um, oh, so Mister 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 Birthday, Mister Guests, you know you you. It's it's you just nonstop festivities. Go out to a bar on every other uh, every fourth Friday, yeah. and you know you're like party party party. Plus, you caught my reference to talking to an astute and well known observer of world affairs. That was lunch. That was lunch yesterday, Mickey. And who was that? We dined. What? Other than Nikita, who was it? It's none of your beeswax, you know? Okay. Yeah, I didn't, well, I didn't, didn't ask him if it was okay if I revealed publicly. I'm glad you didn't bring it up. He may be ashamed um, of having lunch with me. You know, I'm in some circles. Anathema, you know? Oh, by the way, speaking of which, Ann Coulter got published in the New York Times? Oh, my God. Well, that, Is that I, true? Uh, I didn't that, read well, it. They, they had a pre-debate thing with her uh, uh, and Frank Bruni. And somebody else who I should remember, but I don't. Uh, Frank Booney's an old friend of hers. So ah. that, that probably helps. 
Frank Bruni's yeah. Frank Bruni is the the least left, you know, lib uh, political columnist they have. So he's Probably he was very good and fair minded when he was covering the campaign. So listen, I did not see the debate, but my sense. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah. Uh, n- no, you missed you. You missed. Uh, you, you were about to comment on was it was it Fred Kaplan who savaged your position on we missed an opportunity to have peace in Ukraine in Slate? He didn't mention me by name, did he? No. Uh, Even worse, he savaged your position without mentioning without you by name. Well, it's not only my position; it's like Mark Milley's position. Oh no, he claims right. that Milley he, didn't quite say what people are saying. He he said. claims that Milley's being taken out of context, but it wasn't quite convincing because. You know, Millie no, throws not. in a couple of boilerplate things saying, of course, we should back Ukraine to the hilt and it's important to stop Putin's aggression. And, he, you know, and, and he takes those seriously. The, the gist of Millie's comments was clearly, you know, maybe we should think about cutting a deal now. Yeah. Um, no, anyway. I continue to I continue to claim vindication for writing. Uh, well, saying it on the podcast, but also writing in The Washington Post in December that. uh and I explicitly said, do not buy the claim that the wind is at Ukraine's back militarily. And I explained why, and it hasn't been at their back. Um, yeah. But I, I want to deploy. Mm-hmm. I, I, I want to deploy my big theory on Trump before we run out of time. Sure. My big theory, everybody's saying Trump, he's so dominant, he sucks the oxygen out of the room. I think this past week has been the past few months have been very good for Trump. Because uh, first, you have to remember people. People remember the Trump years fondly. They were good years until 2019. Uh, the economy was was doing very well. The, you know the the vast areas of flyover country were doing very well. People have a, a good memory, and they tend to forget how crazy Trump is. So when Trump goes off screen for a while, i.e., uh, he's off Twitter, he's being indicted, he's otherwise busy. Uh, he rises. People don't remember how crazy he was. And so uh, he, he, they had the Des Moines Register had concrete evidence that when they indicted him, he rose in the polls. So people have sympathy for him because he's indicted. And because he's indicted, he talks about his indictment and not the other crazy shit that he would come up with to fill the available media space if he wasn't indicted. Mm-hmm. So uh, it seems to me the 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 chances of him actually beating Biden have risen dramatically for that reason. People remember the good times. He's not reminding them how crazy he was. And he has sympathy for being indicted. And it's a incredible pylon. Four indictments of the leading camp. I mean, mm. it's a ridiculous liberal pylon. Uh, and people are realizing that. And uh, it also, Biden's having bad weeks. He's going, he's allegedly being attacked for not feeling empathy and feeling people's pain. Uh, all those are unfair. but. Nevertheless, they're having a toll. So I think this week dramatically shifted in sort of your direction of, God, the Democrats have to dump Biden uh, if they want to stave off Trump. And I think, uh, you know, the, 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 the idea that my idea, the idea that Trump can't win, so the Republicans have to dump Trump, is fading. Mm-hmm. Uh, our one hope is that he's now on Twitter again. So he'll start saying crazy things. And reminding oh, is he on Twitter crazy. again? Is he on he, uh, the day of the indictment? He went back on Twitter. Is he calling and Musk Twitter? let him back on? So it's being considered a courageous act. Is Trump calling uh, Twitter or X? If we keep calling Twitter, I'll vote for him. This is an important cause to me. Uh, anyway, that's 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 my theory that uh, 
Well, let me ask you something. Like many like, people, I, Trump, Trump, we think of Trump more fondly when we, when he's not yeah. in our faces. Well, I've always been uh, generically skeptical of the claim that, well, the indictments make him more likely to get nominated, but not more likely to get elected. I've never bought that because, for one thing, even if you're only talking about voters who would never vote for Biden, you can still affect turnout by getting them riled up. Right. Uh, but my question to you in terms of the actual evidence that the um, that the indictments have helped Trump, have they? Are you just talking about polls, intra-Republican polls, where he, he his margin relative to DeSantis increases? Or are you yes. talking the, the, about... Okay. The Des Moines Register poll of Republicans was in the field when he was indicted. And as soon as he was indicted, his numbers went up. Right. That's the but, evidence. But that's asking people who they're going to vote for in the Republican primary. Right. So in other words, I think that, so. I don't think okay. it was the whole universe of voters. I mean, right. I would be more that would terrified. Have been more interesting. Yeah, I would be more terrified if if uh, people who weren't going to vote for him in the general uh, showed signs of wanting to vote for him. Whereas Good question. Good question. This, be this sounds more like people who might not have turned out to vote for him in the general and might now turn out. That's my concern. Um and look, there are some Republican voters who are, well, the type who are favoring maybe who? Chris Christie? I mean, are, 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 I guess, are there Republican primary voters who uh, are against Trump and would rather vote for Biden than Trump? Oh, sure. They're, sure. So, so, so. I may, be, he, I may be one of them. Yeah. So, so yeah, that poll is, I think, I, I think in any event, it, it should trouble Democrats about the general election. Um, Although not as well, much as some like of the, the whole, polls, I know. Yeah. yeah. It's looking like the whole indictment avalanche, which was said to favor Biden, might turn out to be a disaster for him. Well, I mean, it's just so obvious. It's just so obvious. When are these people going to learn? Uh, you know, it, it, it the, the, you know, when you're in this polarized kind of situation and the tribalism is running hot. I most okay. of the things that you reflexively feel you want to do to the other side actually help them. Yeah, and uh, but there is one thing that might say, paradoxically, save Biden. Uh, they're, they're trying uh, one of the defendants, Mr. Chesebro, who's a lawyer who used to work for Larry Tribe, uh, uh, first. And he's asked for a speedy trial, and they've given it to him. October 23rd hmm. is when he's supposed to go on trial. That's two months from now. Uh, and uh, it seems to me he has a very strong case uh, to get off. He wrote these legal memos about it. Gee, we need these alternate slates of electors. Uh, it's been done before. It worked for Kennedy. Every time they war game the, a, a contested election, the losing side comes up with alternate slates of elector, electors. It's just what you do if you're on the losing end. Gore did mm -hmm. it in Florida. So this, if this guy gets off, if, like a judge says, summary judgment for defendant, that puts a whole monkey wrench in the whole edifice of the other 17 or 18 defendants, doesn't it? Uh, it gets the prosecution off on a bad foot. It means the whole conspiracy RICO thing might be fatally weak. So maybe the whole thing collapses very quickly in time for it not to help Trump. Uh, yeah. That's one, one possibility. And Biden's being obnoxious about it. I mean, he put out a tweet saying, oh, on indictment day, oh, apropos of nothing, today's a good day to send me money. Well, I thought you were you you were neutral and impassive and letting justice work. No, you're capitalizing yeah, that, that on it. That seems to be a mistake. Way. 
I mean, I doubt it was actually his tweet, but uh, you would think, I don't know to what degree they run these things by him. I doubt well, he sets the tone. He sets yep. the tone. Yeah. Uh, so um, uh, anyway, that that's what I have to say. The, I'll, I'll, yeah. Chesapro is also, if they convict him, he's a logical person to turn on Trump because he has some vestige of respectability he can recover. Uh, on the other hand, it's going to take years for his appeal to wind all the way to the Supreme Court. So I don't think he has time to turn on Trump. Mm -hmm. Go ahead. Sorry. Um, the, uh, oh, debate. Um, so I just, judging by reaction, uh, having not watched it, I got the sense that, that Ramaswamy had in some sense dominated. You're well, they saying, spent a lot of, they spent, yeah. they, they spent a lot of time and all the fireworks attacking Ramaswamy and not attacking DeSantis. So that's our, that's our curtain call. But, um, that, uh, and so, so Ramaswamy did, you know, he, He's he's he was an alien virus, a novel virus to the most of the debate viewers. And they a lot of them reacted positively because he has a great rap. He's one of the great talkers. Uh, uh, he had a fantastic closing. Not, you know, and he, he had a couple of good shots. He he mm -hmm. chided Christie for hugging Biden. That was for, uh, and et cetera, et cetera. Hugging Obama. Sorry. Uh, on the beach. Remember right before the election. Uh Oh. against Romney. So the, the Republicans hate that. So they hate Christie even more now. But, you know, so, so you know, 40% of the people loved him and 20% of the people hated him. And and he had that reaction. And, and so you would expect that to happen. So that uh, sound you heard was the sound of us needing to transition to the parrot room in this abbreviated, uh, thanks, Lisa, abbreviated version of uh, now, the now. podcast and parrot room. No, I'm kidding. I, I wish her the happiest birthday, and we'll soon be doing that face-to-face -face as soon as I can get rid of you. But 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 before we go to the parrot room, for shorter than average parrot room at patreon.com slash parrot room, we should say, uh, what, give some clue what we're going to talk about. I'll continue. I had a thought about why Ramaswamy scares me so much that I'll uh, continue. And I was also going to... Uh, oh, I, I finally got around to focusing on the lyrics of, of, of the populist hit Richmond, North of Richmond. Yeah, I want to talk about that, uh, about the TV show <laughs> Extraordinary Attorney Wu and a little bit about Elon Musk. W uh, what do you have? Uh, they began the debate by playing that song, by the way. Uh, oh, I, I was, I was singing it last week. React? Oh, to all the shots I of was obese singing, people. I, I was singing yeah, about it last week, and Brett Bear is singing about it this week. Bob, stick with me. Also, my crackpot theory of Newsom appointing Kamala Harris was in the L.A. Times three days later. Excellent. I'm not saying I'm not saying I'm early present, but um, all the elite journalists listen to us. Have you not noticed how we virtually dictate the headlines? For example, New York Times headline: Ukrainian troops on front lines laud offensive. Uh, this was the lead story in the New York Times, by the way, the lead story. And then the next head, head is upbeat despite issues. Uh, commanders say forces are in better shape than months ago. I may have time to talk about that in the parrot room. Um, that is in well, the New York so, Times today? Uh, it was a couple of days ago. It was like the isn't lead. It, isn't that like total propaganda? 100%, as they say. Okay. Uh, okay. But, but what's uh, interesting is that they made it. The, like, I understand why a given reporter needs to do a thing that sources like every once in a while. But but the decision to make it the lead story in the Times is a fascinating one. Yeah, yeah. Um, um, 
So I have four things. The hype yeah. of Hurricane Hillary. Yeah. Uh, the uh, the emergence of shrink as an acknowledged factor. Shrink is shoplifting mm. uh, from stores as an acknowledged factor in the economy, from being a fringe right-wing theory that only cocoonists believe to being adopted by American business as the ex excuse for declining profits. Uh, I have a point to make about Bidenomics and E.J. Dion, and I have a point to make about uh, do candidates have to be optimistic? Mm. Uh, these days. I, I don't think they have to be optimistic, but I do think they have to be something. Anyway. I agree. A candidate who is nothing is just nothing. I've always said that. I think Clausewitz was the first to say that. Um, uh, so, so Politics is the pursuit of nothing by other means. By other Larry means. Larry David may have said that. Or by uh, no means. I think it was politics is by no means the pursuit of nothing. I think that's it. Um, so patreon.com slash parrot room. Uh, even even if you're not going to go there and you want to do a, a solid, you could smash the like button if you're on YouTube. Rate and review the Non-Zero Podcast if you're not. Or maybe do all of everything that we ask. And uh, and that's about it. I guess the parrot may have a word. I am the alpha. I am the alpha. <laughs> that and more awaits you in the parrot room, folks. See you next time.